And in the study of that, Joshua, they're preparing for the Bible Bowl, which will be October the 8th. And we had a meeting today uh, to get some of that lined up and ready to go. And they have been studying for some time. This is not the first time we've studied Joshua. Um, we've studied it, I know, about three times, three or four times since I've been in Bible Bowl that I can recount. I'll put it that way. Um, it's always a good study when you study the book of Joshua. Tonight in our scripture reading, in verses 8 through 13, we see that there was a young man who was told the great battle was coming, great responsibility needed to be taken, and Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him. You skip over into verse 14 of that same chapter. After the battle had been won and we see that Aaron and Ur had to stay his hands, he held his hands up all day long. Now can you imagine having to do that all day long? And his hands grew weary and tired. And he sat down and they held his hands up all day long. But when he put his hands down, they would start losing. When he put his hands up, they would start winning, wouldn't they? And as you go on, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now notice in verse 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of jo Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. There's two important parts right there that I want us to notice before we get into the rest of our lesson. And the thought is, young people and older people as well, I want you to focus on that statement there where it says in verse 10, So Joshua did as Moses has said to him. You see, we have an older person talking to a younger person person. A lot of times when that case in that in today's world and throughout history, when an older parent, grandparent or whatever would say something to a kid, they would say, ah, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They're crazy. They, they don't know what they're thinking. They don't know what to, to do. They, they, they've, they've making all these demands and they're saying, and, and, and it's, it's a different era and different time now, so I really don't need to listen to my dad or I really don't need to listen to my grandparent or I don't need to pay attention to the older men and the older women in the church and follow after what they do. They're just old fogies. And a lot of times a young person or, or whatever, they'll say, well, I, I'm just not going to do that. But it shows a lot about Joshua and the story. If you studied, as you studied, 
you see that Joshua was faithful in all that he did. He had done that all his life. And then he says unto the older person in verse 14, Moses, he says, rehearse these things in Joshua's ears. Why do you think he said that? Because he needed to remember, didn't he? He needed to remind him. Remember when the Lord done this? Remember in that battle that, that, that the Lord was with us when I let my hands down, we, we didn't prevail, but when I held them up, we prevailed. This great battle, this great victory, this great thing, and he gave Moses gave credit to the Lord. He said, rehearse those things in Joshua's ears. You see, we have a responsibility tonight and today as parents to rehearse spiritual and religious things according to the Bible in our children's ears. We have a responsibility to do that. Rehearse. When we rehearse, we, re rehearse, we think about, we, we practice. We continually rehearse what we're going to do or what we want someone to remember. That's important that we rehearse those things in our young people's ears and older people. He says, he says, more important, write it in a book. Put it down so that they will not forget these things. You know, again, why do I always talk about writing in my Bible? Underlining and putting, putting uh, notes and, and things in there for my children. Write it down where they can see it. Write it down where they can say, Daddy said this. Mama said this. This is what they believe. This is the time when they were in a difficult time. And Mom and Dad told us that they depended upon the Lord. And we have to rehearse those things with our children but let me share some thoughts with you tonight in a few minutes that we have concerning Joshua, a man of faithfulness. There's a great need for godly leadership today. A great need. I don't know that since I've been alive that I've ever seen and old enough to realize a need and a time that the need is greater for having godly leadership. Godly leadership not only in the Lord's church, but godly leadership in our homes. As I've preached and as I've said and echoed from this pulpit many times, men, God puts you the head of the home for a reason. You are the spiritual leader of the home. If everyone in your home says, I'm not going to church today, you better be the one going to church. Because God has put you in that leadership position to lead your family to heaven. And there's no, there's no time that I've seen in, in my time of living for a greater need of godly leadership. We need godly leadership in our homes. As homes continue to deteriorate and nearly half of, half of all marriages end in divorce, 
We need godly leaders in the home. Did you hear that? Nearly half of marriages end in a divorce. God hates divorce, young people. God hates it. God does not like that. At the very end of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, he says he hates divorce. We have writings of it in in the New Testament for one reason only. God hates divorce. And we're living in a time that we have over nearly half of our marriages in a divorce. Let's say this. If you have four children, the statistics say that most likely you will have two children that will end a divorce, that will experience a divorce. That's not good. That's not a good number. If you have two children, you can do the math, can't you? There's a, there's a likelihood that only that one of them will be in a divorce situation. Now you tell me, is it important that we rehearse these things in our children's ears? That we tell our children that when you marry, you marry for life. You don't ever give up. You keep fighting. You work it out. And let's go way beyond, but back before that. When you date, you date young people who are what? Christians. We have our children's class. We always ask them, what's the three things, you know? They always say, marry a Christian, right? When you get old, you're going to marry a Christian. True success, true failure, they say. True failure is not living your life and not going to heaven. True success is living your life and going to heaven. We have to echo those things in our children's ears. And I'm going to tell you, it don't start when they get 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. It starts when you're holding them in your hand, in your lap, and you're feeding them a bottle. You say, well, I don't even understand. It starts when they start walking. They start dressing. You dress them very modestly. And when you dress them modestly when they're young, guess what? You don't have to fight the battles when they're 12 and 13 and 14 year old because they're going to be used to wearing what they need to wear. You teach them when they're young. And we rehearse those things in their ears. And we're going to develop young men and women who are godly people. And that's the whole thing with this lesson tonight. We need godly leadership in the Lord's church. Many are unwilling to perform the work and preparation needed to be a leader in the family of God. (coughs) Many people don't, don't want to be a leader in the church. They don't want to be involved in the church. They don't want to, they say, well, if I'm not too involved, I'll have to be responsible for things. You see, we need leadership in the church. 
We need godly leadership in our society. We need men and women who show a godly light and a godly leadership in this nation. And all of this begins in our early lives, in our lives with our children, and in that, and being that influence to them. That's where it begins. We need men and women showing godly leadership at work and at home, in the neighborhood, during worship service, and in every aspect of our life. How do you think these young men learn what we're seeing when they get up and lead in this congregation? They see older people doing it. And when we older people lead in the right way, they will follow. And I promise you, when you read in the long way, wrong way, they follow as well. So it's important. So I want us to take and look at a little bit more about Joshua. Some background of Joshua. And you've studied this young people, and, and, and a lot of people we've already we've seen it and heard it for years. But let's consider the conditions throughout which Joshua grew up. And by no means did Joshua grow up with a silver spoon, as we say sometimes, in his mouth. He was born into slavery in Egypt and lived a life of being enslaved. And the conditions of slavery in Egypt were severe. If you remember back in the book of Exodus in chapter 1 and verse 14, he says that they made their lives bitter more difficult with labor and brick and mortar and all kinds of field work. And they ruthlessly imposed all of this work upon them. So God recognized the pain of the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7 it says, God heard their cries. He heard their cries. And because of their taskmasters, and he said, I know their suffering. He's seen the oppression of his people. You know, many of us may have had a difficult upbringing. Joshua had it worse, we could say. He was pressed into hard labor and suffered at the hands of the Egyptian taskmasters. Masters. But just because he had a difficult beginning... Joshua raised up to challenge, to be challenged, and chose God to live his life for. Now, one says, well, how did he become such a leader? There are great young men and women who become great leaders that come out of very, very difficult situations in life. You know why? Because it presses them and pushes them to do better than what they were brought up. It makes them to want to provide more for themselves and their families than what they had. So Joshua was in that. What's the key to that? Key, the key to faithful, uh, the faithfulness that we talk about with Joshua, faithful to, God's, faithful to God's leadership. So before becoming the leader of Israel, Joshua had already shown himself to be uh, top-notch in his service toward God. 
You can go on in the book of Exodus in chapter 17 and verses 8 through 10 and read there again to where Moses said to Joshua. And again, we find Joshua what? Listening and doing exactly what Moses told him to do. We have no record of him saying, well, I'll do it later. <laughs> well, I don't think it ought to be done that way. Well, Moses is just an old man. He, we can do it a whole lot better way. You see, that's what people do today in the Lord's church, don't they? All oh, this old way of worship is no longer good. Well, let me tell you, the old way of worship is worshiping in spirit and in truth, and that's what we're going to do. Worship doesn't change. But you find there in Exodus 17, Moses said to Joshua, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek there in Exodus 17, 8 through 10. He said, that's the one we read in that, wasn't it? That's not again verse, that's the present verse. Moses had told him, I think this is an impressive characteristic that must be considered that Joshua is not pictured as someone who had show or sow his wild oats. A lot of times we depict young people as saying, well, boys will be boys, and they need time to sow their wild oats. They need time to be boys. Well, let me suggest something to you, parents and young people. You don't have to go sow your wild oats to prove that you're a man or a young man. To prove that you are a young man, you follow God as Joshua did. And when your older people tell you something to do, unless it is contrary to the word of God, you go do it. And you use those things in your life to help grow into a great leader. We don't, just, we don't see him. We'll say, well, we'll wait. You don't see Joshua's being said, well, you're going to sow his wild oats, and we'll wait for him to settle down, and then maybe he'll get uh, serious about serving the Lord. We don't read that. We don't read about him being some rebel who refused to listen to the elders of Israel or his parents or Moses. Joshua showed himself to be obedient to those in authority early in his life. Young people, you can be called upon to be a useful tool in the service of God in public ways and private ways. You see, Joshua led the men of war of Israel to fight against the Amalekites. And you go into the book of Numbers in chapter 32 and verse 12 and notice what it says. Joshua followed the Lord completely. That's the key. If you're going to be a great leader, if you're going to be a great godly young man, you have to follow, or a young lady, let's put it that way. You have to do what God said completely. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, this fits my life or this is what I want to do. You have to do what God says. Joseph was faithful. He was a faithful worker. 
The second characteristic that we want to say tonight, he was prepared to be great and to be a great godly leader and a worker. He wasn't just a soldier fighting for the Lord, nor was Joshua just another uh, obedient Israelite. Joshua was, Joshua was a faithful worker such that he was given special privileges to work side by side with Moses. Again, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 24 and verse 13, Joshua is described in that passage as an assistant. So Moses arose with his assistant, if you will, 24 and verse 13. And went up the mount, to the mountain of God. The word assistant, we can say, can be translated as a servant. I believe the New American Standard translates it that way. A servant. The point is, is that Joshua is described as a worker. He went up the mountain, to the mountain of God with Moses while Aaron and Ur and the elders of Israel were left behind. He wanted to be a worker. He wanted to learn. And we got a lot of young men and young ladies here that are wanting to learn and be part of the Lord's church. And I, I suggest to us tonight, and, and to us to think about what are we doing as older people to help our young continue with that. We've got some young men here who are encouraged. We've got some young men who are ready to learn and to serve. These young men that are getting up, I could name, try to name all of them, but I'd probably leave somebody out. But they're wanting to serve. They're wanting to be a worker like the Lord. And I want to tell you, y'all always heard the, the thought, strike the iron while it's hot. We have a responsibility right now, and we, we better not shirk on it. We've got some young men and young ladies that are wanting to grow in the church and are willing to get up, and we need to be doing everything we can. And we've got some more little ones that are coming on. And we need to foster that. You go on in the book of Exodus, in chapter 33, in verses 7 through 11. And we read another important work of Joshua. <clears throat> And in 33, starting in verse 7, it says, And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend, and he turned again into the camp with his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. You see, Joshua was a special worker who was inside the tent of meeting. When the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and spoke to Moses face to face, and once Moses left the tent and returned to the camp, Joshua would stay behind and remain in the tent. Whatever the case why he stayed behind, Joshua remained behind to perform the works of the service of the Lord. He was a faithful worker. He wanted to serve. He stayed behind and served and did not run off to take care of his schedule, if you will. You see, a godly leader is dedicated, is a dedicated servant. You know, I can remember as a young boy having to be made to work in the field. And I can remember looking across the fields, and we had a lot more flat land in Alabama than we do here. And I could see my cousins and others playing, running around. Man, I couldn't wait. I knew better than to ask whether I could go because I had already got a whipping with a cornstalk because I was watching and wasn't paying attention to what I was doing and allowed the mules to dig up about 35, 40 cornstalks. I was on the head of the mule and we was busting the middles. And I knew better than to ask, could I go play? But I can remember sitting there thinking, man, I sure will be glad when we get to the end of this. And my granddaddy says, you can go. We're done. You can go now. And I can remember just taking off and running because I was afraid he was going to change his mind. <laughs> if he changed his mind, I had to go back and work. But I can remember longing for that boy when we're going to get done with this. Joshua wasn't that way. Joshua says he stayed behind. He continued to do what he wasn't off to go find his schedule. He wasn't off to go do the latest thing or whatever the case may have been. He was a faithful worker. But you know, the last thing we're going to talk about, about Joshua, he was faithful in despite of opposition. He showed he was prepared to be a leader. But you know what? He was prepared to take a stand for the truth. And he was prepared to take a stand for obedience to God despite opposition, despite what his friends were doing, despite what others were doing. He was faithful. He took a stand and says, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to do those things. I, we need to do this or we need to do that. I believe in the Lord. And you know the situation. After spying on the land of Canaan, ten of the spies gave what? A negative report, didn't they? Saying that the inhabitants of the land are stronger than we are. The Israelites are afraid to go battle and again to appoint a new leader to go back to Egypt.
look at what Joshua did. What would you have done? Would you have said, well, I'm just going to stay out of this one. It ain't none of my business. Would you keep quiet? In the book of Numbers, in chapter 14, in verses 6 through 10, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and who among those scattered out the land, tore their clothes and said, the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing full of milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't, only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And while the whole community threatened to stone them, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tent of the meeting. You see, true leaders, young people and old, do not go with the flow or go with the majority. They go with majority or don't go with the majority for just to keep peace. A lot of times we find ourselves in that situation. I'll just go along with everybody else and keep quiet just to keep the peace. True godly leaders will always do what is right, even if the decision is not popular. You see, in this situation, we were basically forming a riot in the, in, in the community there. And it was kind of a life situation. They were going to stone them. Because they were, they were different of a different opinion. The famous thing now, or the most popular thing now to say to people, it says, well, we can agree to what? Disagree. I'm sorry, we can't agree to disagree when it comes to spiritual matters. That's the easy way out. Oh, I can go along with this or go along with that just for whatever. You know, I don't know what people think it is. And Brother Jimmy and I, we were having a conversation. We're in the process of looking for a wedding dress. <laughs> and unless you've experienced that, that is a stressful situation. And I ain't even one going looking. But that's a stressful situation because it, it's a little too tight here or it's a little bit long here or it's a little bit here. It ain't nothing perfect. But the one thing that you find out, parents, that when you start looking for a wedding dress is that most of them that are out there right now, there ain't a whole lot of material to them. They don't cover a whole lot. They come way down here and they ain't got nothing in the back. And they come way up here. They got all this way revealing things. So what you have to do is you have to buy one and you have to add cloth to it. <laughs> that's not actually where we're coming to. I don't know. But that's not a, but a lot of people say, well, it's a wedding. It's my most special day of, the, the, of my life. And, and I want to look beautiful. Young ladies, you can look beautiful without showing everything about your body. You can do that. You don't have to have a revealing wedding dress to be beautiful in the day of your wedding. You do in man's eyes. But let me tell you, in God's eyes, he wants you covered up. 
He wants you covered up. Young men, it goes for you as well. Or I can go along with the group because we're going to, to the beach and, and, and everybody else is going to have on a, a two-piece bikini and bikini, or how do you say that? Anyway, I can't even say it right. I'll just go along with everybody else. I'll be at the beach. Won't nobody see me. Won't nobody know I'm a Christian down here. I can promise you God knows you are. And I'm going to tell you what, somehow, way, they always show up on Facebook. Or I can go along with a group and I can drink and I can party. Or I can go to the prom and dance and I can do all these things and those provocative moves. Somehow they always show up. Being godly leaders like Joshua, being faithful, ready to work, be strong and courageous for you are God. You are God's people. He's going to give you an inheritance. Joshua 1 and verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Let me end. I went over a little bit tonight. And, but let me end. Joshua is a great study. Joshua is, is a great example for our young people and older people as well. But be a faithful worker. Young people, set your mind to it right now that you are going to be godly. That you're going to work for God and you're going to be strong for God and you're going to be, you're going to be different than the rest of the crowd. That's hard. But set your mind. Parents, set your mind that you're going to raise your children that way. Start them out when they're young. Don't wait till they're 12 and 13. You say, I've always lived by the principle and others as well before me. There's a time when our young men need to dress and act like young men. All the cutesy stuff and all the this and that and, and things when they're little, that's good. I enjoy that. I enjoy it. I've got pictures of our kids. I even got my son in pictures of things that we, we can't tell you about. It would embarrass him too bad. Because my daughter, it was, he was her baby doll. But you know, start them when they're young. They grow up to be godly people and godly leaders. Tonight, maybe you need to be a better godly person. We want to encourage you to do that tonight. Whether you need to respond to the gospel tonight and ask for forgiveness and repent of those sins, let us pray for you and with you. We want to do that. But maybe you need to become a Christian tonight and put Christ on in baptism. We encourage you. We sang a while ago, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the only way that you're going to go to heaven. It's through the blood of Christ and living faithfully. Our young people have a great challenge before you. There was a great challenge before us when I was young. But some ways I think it's greater today. Young people love the Lord. God loves you, but you need to love him back. By your actions, by the things you see, the things you do, places you go, always put him first in your life. Tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.